We're in the book of 2 Peter, and the chapter is 2. Now, when we look at 1 Peter and 2 Peter, we know that 1 Peter uh, was written, this particular epistle uh, was written to uh, those who, uh, to the church, it was written to Christians, and uh, Peter was writing to them to, to, to teach them how to carry themselves before the Gentiles as they go into the world carrying the gospel. And he's letting them know how they are to conduct themselves in front of those who are not Christians, those who have yet to hear uh, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he tells them, he reminds them there in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, he said, you ought to always be ready, always be ready to give an answer for the reason of your hope. And when he says, he says and when you give it, make sure you give it with, with gentleness and meekness. In other words, respect. Uh, when, you, when you share God's word, I was asked a question about, is there ever a time, uh, is there a time that you can be wrong when telling the truth? And actually, the truth will always be right, but the way we tell it, the way we use it, can be wrong. So we must make sure that whenever we teach the truth and we share the truth, we do it with love. We do it with the concern, uh, with the concern of someone's soul in mind, having the mind of Christ, Philippians chapter 2. So Peter writes to them in that first letter, here's how you're supposed to carry yourself in front of, the, uh, in front of those who are non-Christians. But in 2 Peter, he goes on and writes to them how to deal with the temptations and the trials that will come from within the body. And notice what he says there in 2 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 1. He says, uh, but there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. And they will cleverly, uh, they will cleverly uh, use destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought, who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. And Peter specifically was writing uh, to even deal with the Gnostics. The Gnostics were those who taught or who believed that Jesus did not actually, uh, he didn't actually die, he only appeared to die. And, and, and in dealing with the Gnostics, they would come around and they would go and, 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 and they would, and they would uh, come to those who had obeyed the gospel, believed, and, and, and they would uh, believe who Jesus Christ was, and they would start to uproot that truth with false teaching. They would deny that he had died. They would deny that he rose from the dead. And to do that is to deny the very cornerstone of our faith. Because that's what we stand on, the fact that Jesus, the one whom we've submitted to, he's the only one who was able to beat death. He triumphed over death through the power of his Father. He stood. And, and by that power, it's the same thing that we believe in, we trust in, and we teach others to place their trust in that power. Because it is that power that can save, it is that power that can deliver them through all the trials and different vicissitudes of life. Mm -hmm. So in 2 Peter chapter 2, He's saying there's false prophets and false teachers. And it's very important that we take a look at that because since the days of the apostles, there have been those who are rising from amongst us and drawing disciples unto themselves. Paul told the elders there as he was about to depart in Acts 20 from Ephesus, he said, when I'm gone, there are those who will rise from among you, grievous wolves, and they'll be seeking to draw to themselves disciples. And so we have to be very aware, keenly aware, and we must study the scriptures and understand the doctrine of Jesus Christ so that we can save ourselves and also those who hear us, as Paul wrote to Timothy. And so 
These heresies that are coming up are false teachings, things, different things that are being taught by our own brethren. Uh, I was reading and I, I, I heard from a brother, a brother who uh, uh, belongs to the body, and he's been a member of the body for a very long time, and he's a preacher. And uh, he was saying something that I, I want to be. He said, I, I want to be uh, a, a part of the church that uh, where the foreigner, Saturday night fornicator can lift his hand and say, and say amen. I want to be a part of the church where the Christian millennial and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the Christian senior can clap their hands and praise God together, all together and one, and, and they can glorify God and they can shout together. Well, the thing is, see, when they make these statements, one thing that they miss, worship was designed for, with those people in mind. I don't need you to come and say this needs to be a place where the fornicator or the adulterer or any of them can shout and have dignity. I don't need for you to tell me that. Because God designed worship with them in mind. Worship is a place for the sin sick and the sin filled. Where we come to bring our, our, our sins and our illnesses and lay them at the foot of the cross. The purpose of worship, when we come to worship, if you didn't understand, is when we come to be refined. We come to sit down at the master's feet and listen to what he has to say. We come to see, we come to be quiet and be peaceful and say, Lord, speak to me through your word, through the spirit that you, that you placed in me when I obeyed your gospel. I don't need somebody saying, I want to be in it. I want to be in it. I want to be. Because the most important thing is, where does God want you to be? He doesn't want you to be in the church of your choice. He wants you to belong to the body of his choice. That was bought by the blood of his dear son. Because like we said last Sunday, only Jesus saves. Salvation is only found in his name. And can only be rendered by his authority. So the thing is, I'm glad that he allows me to be a part of the place where he puts salvation. So when we come to worship, y'all, when we come to worship, yes, you're to come to worship with all those thoughts in mind. All those burdens in mind. All these things that are bothering you in mind. And lay them down. And let the Lord speak to the wounds. And heal those places in your life. Amen. But see there are those among us who are sneaky. And they're, they're, seek, and they're seeking to play on, uh, play on your emotions. Paul wrote that, that, that there were. He said there were uh, 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 silly women. And that's just not women but men. Who were led by various impulses. And these men sneak in and overcome them. These women, they're still burdened down in their sin. And they're always studying, but never able to come to the knowledge of God because they are weak and weighed down and led by various impulses. And when it says various impulses, that's talking about the emotional state. Being emotionally unstable. And so the moment they get focused and start to study and understand, then something happens in life. And they get too focused on the peripheral issues and miss the focus of the, the focus, which is the author and finisher of our faith, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. According to Hebrews chapter 12. Now there are some of us who have gone astray, and they're coming in and they're playing off of your situations in life, and they're playing off of your confusion. And what I want us just for a few moments. 
to talk about uh, this morning. I want to help you to, 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 I want to help clear up a little confusion that we're getting through some of these false teachers uh, and false preachers. And the confusion is coming in the way of things such as Sabbath days. Anybody had that discussion with somebody? Why do you worship on, on, on Sunday? Uh, or, or, or things such as, uh, such as tongues and, and miracles and, 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 and whether you can be saved by faith only. Well, I just believe that nothing teaches Bible better than the Bible. So for a few moments, we want to let the Bible speak and take what God has to say. Now, if you're taking notes, write these things down. Because if you know anything about trying to have a discussion with someone who is highly emotional, and no, this does not mean that we are bereft of all emotions. Because in our evangelism, evangelism and our teaching, we must teach to involve the mind, which is the seat of the emotions, right? We must involve, we must involve uh, uh, the will or, or the logic. And we also must be compelled by that emotion to obey what the logic has shown us. That's what moves our feet. So all these things must be involved. So the thing is, when, we're, when we come to the scripture, and I want us to just, you write these things down, and when you talk to people, sometimes people say, that's your opinion, that's the way you see it, just take them to the scripture. Let them read the scripture. You pray, and prayerfully read with them, and then pray that God has his way. Don't say more than the scripture. Don't say less than the scripture. Just share what the Bible has to say. Now, in doing this, we want to, like I said, we want to clear up a little confusion. Peter said there was going to come some confusion. And the people there were being confused by the fact that these folks who were Christians, but they were Gnostics in love with a special kind of knowledge, were confusing them. Were upsetting some of their faith and causing them to fall away. Just like it's happening with us. I talk to people all the time. They say, now, Brother Johnson, why exactly is it that we worship on Sunday rather than the Sabbath? Where is that in scripture? How am I supposed to tell them? Well, I'm going to show, I'm going to share with you exactly how to do that. Let us go to Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Uh, 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 Zion, go to Acts 20, verse 7. Now, there are those who say that you ought to worship. You ought to worship on Saturday. Uh, those are Sabbatarians, even Seventh-day Adventists. They say you ought to worship on Saturday. But now the Bible says in Acts 20, verse 7, what's it say? And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to, to depart on the morrow, and continue his speech until midnight. Notice, on the first day of the week, Leviticus 23, often it talks about the, the, the morrow after the Sabbath. So now, so now we're not to come together and worship on the last day. We ought to worship on the first day. That was the day of Pentecost. That was the first. That was the day the church was established. When the first sermon within the church was preached, and when Jesus rose on that day, all of that represents a new day and a new way. In First Corinthians chapter sixteen, verses one and two, it tells us also that we are to, that we are to lay by a store, and that collection is to be taken on, on what day? The first day of the week. Paul, even in Acts 20, verse 7, he was in a hurry to get to where he was going, but he waited seven days until they could come together and so he could preach and reach the assembly and then commune with them and then go on the next day. 
We worship on the first day of the week. Why? Because the Bible says so. Right? If there are any who are confused about tongues and miracles, let us go to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, we read verses uh, 1 through 8. Go on over there for me. Uh, Cheyenne, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And uh, if you will, Nico, uh, give me 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. Now, what does the Bible say in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8? Read. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the And now back up for me and read that verse 1 again. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were Now, would you want to do that they? Underline that they. If you don't have it in your Bible, underline it. And then right next to it, put 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 the last put Luke, the, the last last few chapters of Luke there. Because the thing is, Luke wrote the book of Luke and Acts. Alright? And so the thing is, in the last chapter of Luke, it shows where Jesus was speaking to his apostles. And he was telling them of the things to come. It said he gathered with the eleven. He gathered with the eleven. And we come to learn that they is the eleven, which is the apostles. So then in Acts chapter 2, when it says on the day of Pentecost, they came together, it's the apostles, but also 120 other people were there. But we learn by looking in the book of Luke that the only ones that he promised the power to were the apostles. So that when that, when, that, when that power came from on high, it could only go to one group, the apostles. Or else God, Jesus himself, would be considered a liar. He didn't know what he was talking about. But we know better than that. So he promised it only to the apostles. Now you, you get in these conversations with people about, well, you know, we can speak in tongues today, you know, and that, that miracle is for us, and so on and so forth. But when you go back to the scripture, it says that it is only for the apostles. And it was to give the apostles the ability to speak in the languages of all the men who would be gathered there to speak one message, one truth, which was the gospel of Jesus Christ. God wanted all those who were there, devoted Jews there, to understand one message and one way to be saved. And he gave them the ability to speak in that way. And like we talked about on Wednesday, when it says unknown, the language is only unknown to them. But not unknown to those who heard it. Also go to Acts chapter 8 for me. Go to Acts chapter 8. And we'll pick up reading in verse 18 and 19. Uh, sorry, let me get over there. Tamara, I want you to go, go to Acts 26 for me. Now, now in Acts chapter 8, Verse 18 through 19, what's it say? And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. See, the gift of God can't be bought. It can only be taught. And once it's taught, it must be believed. See, Simon wanted it for another purpose. As it says in James, you ask amiss because you ask for your own selfish purposes. You can't buy this. 
You have to obey this, submit to this, in order to receive this. So we can't be bought. Right? And what does it say also about miracles, the bestowing of the Holy Spirit? Notice that it, it happened by the laying on of what? The apostles' hands. And you'll go all the way through the New Testament, and you'll find that only those who the, the, the apostles uh, empowered uh, with, 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 these, with this miraculous measure were able to perform them. Those who were not apostles could not pass it on. So when the last apostle died, that was it. The miraculous measure was over. What does it say in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8 through 10? Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Where there are tongues, they will cease, right? What does cease mean to you? Cease means stop. So there is no one speaking these unknown tongues. There is no one who is speaking, who is speaking these, this, this, this miraculous, through this miraculous way uh, 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 of communicating uh, glossia, as it said in the, in the Greek there. There, there. There's no one who is using this miraculous measure. Because the need for tongues ceased. Because the church was still in the very, it was in the infant state then. And they didn't have a copy of scripture. So they, these miracles were done and they followed the apostles so that people would know who they were and know that they were sent by God. Right? Now, there are some people who say, well, you know what? I just believe that you can be sincere. That someone who is sincere can be saved. Well, let's look at what it says in Acts chapter 26, verses 4 through 5. In Acts chapter 26, verses 4 through 5. What's it say, Tim here? Verses 8 and 9. Some say, you know, I, I, and there's confusion in the church right now. Did you know that? 
There's confusion in the church right now on how we are to worship. Some say I ought to worship according to my culture, worship according to how I feel, worship according to how I see it. But no, we worship according to how God said it and how he designed it. And we don't set up ways to try to enhance it. You can't enhance what's perfect. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 through 9, what's it say? These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You know plenty of people, Nico, that call on the name of Jesus, don't you? Yeah. Everybody in here, you know plenty of folk who call on the name of Jesus. And they claim to know Jesus very well. But the question is, but the question is, have they come to know him through his blessed command? They can know, it's a difference between knowing somebody, you can know somebody's name and not know them. Huh? You ever had that experience? You walk somewhere out of the festival or the store or and somebody come up to you, how you doing, man? And you're like, yeah. They're like, how you been? I ain't seen you in years. How you like, right. Yeah. And they're telling you all about your family, your brothers, how your sister, how your mom and them and all. They are, aren't they good? And you, you want to say their name back, but can't call it for nothing. Right? You know them, but don't really know them. You see that? Yeah, I know. But see, so it's one thing to, to, to know the name, but it's another thing to know a person intimately. And when we use the word know as it pertains to the Lord, it's to know him intimately. It's to know more than his name. It's to know his authority. It's to know his lordship. It's to allow his lordship in your life. So they can call on Jesus all day long, say they know Jesus all the time, but is his lordship alive in their life? That's the difference. Right? And, all, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sharing this for you to be confrontational, but just to be able to reach people and teach people and take them to the scriptures. Because our Bible IQ is nowhere near where it should be. There are folks who are still being confused about faith only. But the Bible says something different in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, and also Mark 16, verse 16. In James 2, 24, it says faith by itself cannot say. You need more than just mere intellectual sin. You need to trust God, trust Jesus enough to die like he did, be buried like he was, and let God resurrect you just like he did for the Lord Jesus Christ. There are those who confuse us still about the thousand year reign. And y'all know what that is, the, the premillennialists, uh, pre they say that, that, that Jesus is going to come from the sky and he's going to, when he comes, he's going to set up his earthly kingdom and he's going to reign for a thousand years. Well, see, the Bible tells us something different in Mark chapter 9, verse 1, and John chapter 18, verse 36. See, we understand that when we see that, that, that number thousand in scripture, that is symbolic. It represents a number that none can number. And it represents a, a time that none can number. Matter of fact, the apostles asked Jesus when he was going to return. He said, it's not for you to know the times and the epochs. Instead, it's for you to get on down to Jerusalem. Huh? There are those who believe or are still confusing our people about once saved, always saved. You know there are people preaching that in church? 
Once saved, always saved. And they're ignoring 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. They're ignoring 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. They don't even go to Jude 5. You see, Jesus is saying that once I've been saved, the grace of God takes over. God knows. God knows who I am and what I am and what I can't do. And he knows how hard it is for me to make these changes. Therefore, he's already forgiven me before I've even committed the sin. Then there are those who say there's no strict standard. God is not so, he's not so, so, so strict and so, uh, uh, so harsh that he would just make one way to do things. Well, Galatians chapter 1 verse 8 and 9 says, there is no other gospel. There is no other gospel. John chapter 12 verse 48 echoes that sentiment. What I'm trying to get you to say is, when you get in these conversations, just say to yourself in your mind, what does the Bible say? And take them right to Scripture. Then there are those, then there are those who say that there's no path. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, go over there for me, Cheyenne. They say, look, you, there's no way for you to know that what you're doing today was the exact same thing that they were doing back then, the first, in the first century church. There is no path. That's something that man has created just to control people. He's taking people from slavery to sin to slavery to man. Well, Hebrews 8, verse 5, what's it say? Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle? For, see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern. Now, did your Bible say pattern? Did it say pattern? So that Moses didn't walk out there and just start building willy-nilly based on what he thought would be best out there in the desert, did he? No, 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 no. God, see, see, the thing about God is anything he wants us to do, he gives us the provisions to do it with. Remember when they were leaving Egypt? He made sure that the people were paid, the Egyptians paid on the leave. They had all that gold, that silver, all of that, so that they could properly construct the tabernacle of God. And God gave them a pattern in which to do it. Anything God wants us to do, he will teach us, he will tell us, he will show us how to do it. But do you have enough trust to construct what he wants in your life? Bible says also in 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 through 12 it is the pillar and ground of truth and, and 2 John 9 says we ought to not go beyond the doctrine or the teaching of Christ. Those who go beyond the teaching have not the Father nor do they have the Son. We have to be careful if that makes sense to anybody. And listen y'all, listen. I know, I know it's a little warm in here. And I, I can see the heads starting to bob. But we're almost done. Because there's another confusion. There's another little bit of confusion. And it's about sin. There are those who are saying, stop preaching about sin. Stop making people feel guilty about sin. But in Romans chapter 6, if you go to Romans chapter 6, verse 16, the Bible says something simple. Because God says, in Romans 3, he says, look, all the sin that follows short of the glory of God. Then he says that, then he says that the ways of sin are death. It's death. The ways of sin is death. But then when we go to Romans chapter 6, verse 16, God has a certain intention for us regarding sin. 
See, God wants us to progress, not digress. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 16, the Bible says, Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves, service to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So now, whoever you choose to obey, that's your master. And if you're still walking in sin and obeying your flesh, that's your master and you're a slave to that. Well, then God says something in Romans 6, 17. He says, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. Notice what it says, that you were the servants of sin. There are some who teach that, listen, there's some sins that you just never, you, God knows you can't shake them, knows you can't. He knows it's a process, but it's a process in which he expects us to progress, to not just stay there. Once he makes it known to you, once he shows you, once he lets you know where your attitude is falling short, when he lets you know where your mindset is falling short, where how you carry yourself, what you do, and how you interact with other folks, once he shows you the error, he no longer expects you to stay there. Huh? Some of us are, are stuck right there and just saying, I can't help it, I can't get past it. Some of us are right there, and we keep doing harm to ourselves. Huh? Does that make sense to anybody? If you know, if you know, the pork is going to make your head swim. Why? You know what you do. You go right past the barbecue, and you say, I can just... You know if you just, you know, you smell the barbecue and your blood pressure go up. But you sit down and eat it anyhow, right? And then your head starts swimming. And you're like, Lord, I know I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Right? But what we do, but we keep, we keep, we keep punishing ourselves. You know that you got high blood pressure. You know that you didn't take your water pill. So you know when you eat it, you're going to be in trouble. God has shown you, he's provided something for you to not get in that rut. Why stay there? Why keep punishing yourself? Did he not tell, the, 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 did, he, did Paul not tell the Philippian jailer to do thyself no harm? You're harming yourself when God has shown you and provided a way for you to no longer harm yourself. Notice it says you were, and, and the Bible teaches us that the one who sins against his body, the one who does these things, that's sin. And he says this, he says, you were servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. That form of teaching. You have received the teaching of God. And what God's teaching does, it uproots the worldly teaching. It destroys Satan's teaching. It combats the things that causes you to destroy yourself, to hurt yourself. See, we have people, we have people who can't hold a job for nothing. Well, the only reason why they can't hold a job is because their attitude is bad. Because guess what? Guess what? If we go back on that resume and you keep getting fired, keep getting fired, and the answer is always, they was tripping, they was tripping. They was tripping. They can't be tripping all the time. It's not always somebody else's fault. Matter of fact, 
It's not anybody else's fault. Because you can't control them, but you can control yourself. You know what Romans chapter 12 says as a Christian, that no matter what they bring against you, 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 you give them kindness even when they come at you with cursing. You pray for those who, who, who spitefully use you, knowing that when they come against you, they come against God. Remember, God wants, God, the head of the church is glorious, meaning as beautiful and magnificent as Jesus. And if the head is beautiful and splendid and, and, and magnificent, then so should the body. The body is supposed to reflect the Lord. It's supposed to magnify him. How do you magnify God? By showing the work he's doing in your life. So when you resist going back and keep going forward, you are magnifying the work of God and the power of God in your life. You don't have to be confused about that. I'm no longer conforming. I'm transforming. Is that not what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2? He says, and that's not a hard thing. That is your spiritual service. It's the least you can do. Huh? That's why when you come to worship, see, people come to worship saying, I just, you know, I want, I feel like I should come to worship in my experience. It should be good. It should be good and I should leave just floating. That's not true. The word wasn't designed that way. The word was designed to pierce your heart. Find those dark and, and dangerous places. Uproot it. Cut it out. That spiritual surgery is supposed to take place. And guess what? If we are sincere, we'll come to love that surgery. I can't wait to get to worship. I can't wait to get to Bible study. I can't wait to study the word at home. Because every time, God is cutting something out of me. But, not, but he doesn't leave a space. When he cuts it out, he replaces it. You know what he replaces it with? That form of doctrine that is able to save your soul. How much are you allowing him to cut out of you? Huh? Go back over there and shine in 2 Peter chapter 2. I'm coming right back over there, but we're still in Romans 6. But no, I want you all to see this progress. So he says, yes, you were in sin. But then he says this. He says, he says, but God be thanked that you were servants of sin. But you have obeyed from the heart. Now, when you obey from the heart, something should happen. Something should happen. God's word will start to deliver you. Y'all know what that's like? I know you all know what it's like. Because you, you've seen when you start doing the will of God, and then your life starts changing, and then it scares you. Because it starts feeling real unfamiliar. Real uncomfortable. And it's at that time when you ought to find comfort in Jesus. Don't you know that's why he took them out? That's why the children of Israel had to go out to the desert? So they could learn to rely on the Lord? Huh? Step out of your creature comforts so that you can learn to rely on the Lord. Leave your former mindset so you can learn to think like the Lord. Right? So then in Romans chapter 6, verse 18, it says, being then made free. Now notice this. So, so then, you were in sin. God be thanked. Now, the thing is, how did I get free from sin? In order to become servants of righteousness, I became free from sin when I obeyed that form of doctrine. That's why obedience is so important. Because when you obey God, 
You say no to the world. Say no to Satan. You say no to everything else. And yes to salvation. See, you cannot become a servant of righteousness until you begin to obey the word of God. Hmm? There are those who are teaching that you don't have to. You don't have to obey. You don't have to do that. They're just asking too much. They're expecting you. You don't have to obey that. I mean, yeah, God, I mean, it's ideal, and God wants you to do something, but he knows you just can't. That's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. And the question you've got to ask yourself is, do you, do you want to work? Do you want to do better than what you've done? Do you, are you tired of being a slave to the same old stuff you've been a slave to all your life? Are you tired of letting other people define you by the mistakes you've made in your life? Are you tired of keep telling yourself, I can't, I can't, I can't, when God has said you can? Are you tired of that? Because all you have to do is obey what he said. You don't have to be confused. You don't have to be confused. All of this that I sat here and talked about, this was some doctrinal preaching. It was just doctrinal preaching. Showing you where, the, where you go in the scripture to see what God says. So then when you're confused, when you're talking to somebody, you can go to what God has said. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 17 and 18 once again. And I want you to just see it. Look at the order here. I want you to see the order. It said, you obey. Obey there is the main verb. From the heart. You obey. You did something. Right? From the heart. A form of doctrine which, which you were delivered and have been set free from sin. Now it's placed in order. God, and notice where God placed, he placed a, a, a baptism. Right? Because it says, it's placed in order. So before you can be free from sin, before you can be free from sin and be set free, one cannot do that, uh, be free from sin until after they've been willing to die to sin, to, bury, to be buried, to bury that sin, and be resurrected in a new life. Huh? Notice, one is not saved until after baptism. Right? You can't leave it out. So you, here's the thing. You can obey. And notice, when he was writing to the church, he was talking to Christians, but he was reminding them of what they had done to become Christians. And how they had to continue to walk. They're at the church of Rome. So the thing is, you've got to remember, I've got to obey, not just obey today, but I've got to keep on obeying. We forget that, don't we? We have many who came down there, obeyed, and became a Christian that day. And then after that, they walked away. No, no, no. You've got to keep obeying. That's why you got to keep studying. To show thyself approved. Working. Me not be ashamed. Rightly dividing. The truth. Is that right? See, that's why we have to keep studying. You've got to keep up with these lessons. And I know sometimes there's so many lessons and so much to think about it, so much to go through, but is that really the problem? Or is the problem the word is bombarding you, is hitting you from all sides, and you just don't like it? Because God's word never returns to him more. Huh? We don't have to be confused because God has answered all these questions. And when the gospel is preached, God is calling me to do something that only I can do. And you know what he's calling me to do? 
He's calling me to live more like Jesus. He's calling me to share God's, share God's love in genuine service, kindness, and compassion to others. Notice what I said, genuine, not being fake with it. Sometimes we want to help people, but we only want to help them so far. Understand that when you sign on to help somebody, hey, that's why you got to make it clear up front that I can help this much, but I can't help that much. I can do this, but I can't do that. Because some of us, we keep putting ourselves in very difficult situations. We spread ourselves too thin. We get stressed, we get, we, we, we get stressed out. And we start to falter because our, our faith becomes fatigued. God didn't call you to spread yourself thin. What he called you to do is to do what you can do and know more than what you can do. Amen. Yes, go the extra mile. But then know when you've gone the extra mile and know when it's time to allow someone else to step in and take the baton. Huh? He's, called, he's calling us to use our mouths and our body to tell God's story. Huh? The story of God's personality and his purpose. You want to teach people? Tell folk how God has dealt with you. Huh? See, that's what reaches people. You know, like I was saying, the brother was saying earlier, we're the Christian millennial and the Christians. Listen, ain't no such thing as a millennial. There's no such thing. And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. That's not politically correct. Now, listen, a millennial exists in the advertising world. A millennial exists in the world where they're trying to get your money. But it doesn't exist in the world where somebody's trying to save your soul. Because see, when you come up with all these divisions, then you find yourself pandering, trying to please all these different divisions. And you're dividing rather than bringing together. I know God said in the Bible, there's young and then there's old. There's saved and then there's lost. Those who are lost need to be saved. And see, children can learn. Now, people say, well, this is the millennials and the attention attention spans are short and they can't all this kind of listen. How will we reach the, the millennial? You'll reach them the same way every other generation has been reached with the Bible. And you'll do it by living the word. See, not just speaking it, living it. See, they want to see what you believe. They don't want to be told, they want to be shown. That's the power. And you can't tell me different. You know why you can't tell me different? Because I remember, and those of you who was at, at, we were at Eastside, y'all, we remember being at Eastside in that little old shack of a building. Y'all remember that? Huh? It, wasn't even, it wasn't even a church building. It was just some, some offices together. And we got to worshiping in there, and in one year, baptized over almost 100 folks. And over 50% of them were young people under the age of 15. Huh? And I'm not talking about just snatching people's babies. No, I'm talking about these were children, and we had teens too who were showing up to worship, and they'd be waiting at the door, waiting to get in. It'll be snowing outside. They call and say, Brother Johnson, are we having worship? Because we want to have worship. Can we have it in somebody's house? These were young people from the hood, as they would say. But see, but see, 
they saw something in these people who called themselves Christians. They saw Jesus. And they felt Jesus reaching out to them, giving them fathers where they had no fathers, being mothers where they had no mothers, huh? embracing them and doing for them in ways no one else in their lives would do. And they were obeying the gospel left and right. You might say, well, where are they all now, Brother Johnson? It wasn't the, baby, it wasn't the children. It was the parents. Because they would learn, they would go home, and they would not see it reflected in their homes. They got confused and they fell away. But I know that children hear the word. Listen, if man... If these children can understand the music that they listen to, have you listened to that stuff? Have you heard this thing? <laughs> and they be right with it like, do you know what they're saying? Yeah. Now if you can understand that, sure, you can understand a few words that are uttered from God's will. Huh? I know you can. I know, I guarantee you, I can start a song right now. And, and any one of those songs by Ty Dollar Sign, ridiculous name, Ty Dollar Sign, Gucci Mane, Jay-Z up here with Jay-Z 4 verse 44. Who does he think he is? I'm going to tell you who he thinks he is. He thinks he's Jehovah. Why do you think his name is, why do they call him Hova for sure? You need to understand that. These children can understand. That's why my youth are in the front seat. So they can understand. They take notes. We discuss it. They talk about it with their parents. They understand. And I'm trying to get my parents to, listen, listen, when that child trying to sit next to you, move. Get right up front. Sit right on Brother Johnson's non-existent hairline and hear everything he's got to say. Get out from under me and go listen and learn. Huh? It's important. So, so, so that God has called us, you know what else he called us to do? To practice after you living. Huh? You know what after you living is? That's some Philippians chapter 2. That's some, no, after you. No, after you. You want to know why we're so narcissistic and self-centered? Because we, 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 after me, after me. No, we used to learn. I, I used to, you don't let, you, you don't ever go before ladies. You don't go before elders. You don't go before, you make sure that you stop and show proper respect. You don't take before, you don't jump ahead of, you're a man, you're there to protect, to guide, to look out for. Huh? We got to practice that after you live Right, and, and, and people have all kinds of excuses. There shouldn't be any, any confusion with this. God expects us to progress past this confusion. We should be past. Some of us ought to be teachers by now. Philippians chapter, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses, uh, verse, uh, pick up reading verse uh, 2 and 3. Go ahead, read. And many shall follow their Pernicious ways. Many are going to follow that false teaching. You know that? Go ahead and read. The pernicious ways, mm -hmm. by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. See that? And, 
Go ahead. And through covetousness, shall they with vain words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. You see that? These brethren amongst us are teaching this false stuff. And they're making merchandise of God's people. They've gotten to the point where they want to imitate everything they see in the religious world. They want to write the books. They want to go on the book tours. They want to build their brands. Huh? They're making merchandise of God's people. They're not even teaching them truth. They're trying to get people to depend on them. Get people thinking that they need them to understand God's word. As a preacher, I'm supposed to show you the word, help you to understand the word. But you have a responsibility between you and God to apply the word. There's nothing I can go in there and get this brand new. Huh? And it's not about me and, and, and all my special abilities. It's, a, it's about God. And if I'm a preacher worth my soul at all, I ought to point you to the Lord. Not the eyes and minds. He has saved we. And we must depend on He. If we are ever to see the glory land where He is. If we are ever to see what he has done in our lives, we must depend on he. If we are ever to be a blessed we that draws them in to he, we must depend on he. We need him every hour. We need him in every way. I need him. To teach me how to think, how to walk, and how to pray. I need him because I cannot do it by myself. Who am I that he would even know my name? I say that just in case somebody says, well, who does he think he is to be talking like, I'm going to tell you, nobody. Nobody but just another soul that God was kind enough to make room in his kingdom. To say, I'm nobody at all, but just a simple servant. The greatest letters they'll ever put before my name, Brother Smith, is just brother. It's all I'm worried about me. I may be an unlearned man in many eyes, but I count all that I know nothing if I know not Christ and his way. To the world is foolishness. But to us, it's salvation. We preach Christ crucified. Huh? And as long as the Lord is my shepherd, that's all I need to know. Does that not make sense to anybody? Stop being confused. You don't have to be confused by false teaching. Take what they say back to the word. God will do it. Let God be true. And every man a liar. Huh? Don't get caught up in the trends. Just stay with the Lord. Let the Lord grow you organically. You understand that? See, true growth is when we grow spiritually. When we grow spiritually, that pleases God. And when he sees that, that spiritual growth is taking place, then he sends more. And then you can grow numerically. But why would God send people to a place that's just going to corrupt his people? That's going to corrupt the sincere. That's the same thing with our brothers and sisters, the sick. When the people talk about, well, the singles and the, oh, they listen. Okay, yes, you have people in a single state, but they're just a Christian too. Mm -hmm. 
And the same thing applies. Why would God sin if all you're going to do is go? Work on you, let God work on you and prepare you. Right? Does that not make sense? That's all See, let's stop with the confusion. We have the doctrine that we can obey from the heart. That's why I'm telling these babies where to write it down, where to highlight it, because guess what? They've got to carry this on after we're long gone. They've got to be prepared right now. Because we won't be here all day. Huh? But the truth must march over. So let's not be confused. And understand this. When the people are teaching false, don't get caught up. And Listen, God has already said that those who teach such damnable heresies, their destruction is not sleep. They will be destroyed. But you better stay with the truth. Huh? Stay with the truth. Give me those next two verses, Cheyenne, and then we'll, 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 the lesson will be over. In 2 Peter chapter 2. For God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And spared not the old world that saved Noah, the eighth person, who mm -hmm. a preacher of righteousness, mm -hmm. bringing in the flood upon the world mm -hmm. of the ungodly. See that? He didn't even spare the angels. Who had the audacity to sing? So if he didn't, if he didn't spare them, what do you think is going to become of those who belong to him and have the audacity, the gall, to turn their back to him? And God is not petty. He's not trying to pay, but he just said, you're going to be punished because I tried to save you. But you wouldn't allow me to. Jesus is coming and is closer now than he ever was before. You got his doctrine to clear up the way before you so that you can see clearly. Stay on his teaching. Have the Son, have the Father, and know, trust Him, that everything He's saying is going to be for your benefit. Even if you can't see it, don't understand it, even if it scares you, stay with the Master and watch Him work it out. We need to grow organically, y'all. One at a time. Let's grow God's way, not man's way. So now if you want to start to grow God's way, then come on to Jesus. You've heard Him. Jesus wants to save your soul. And he wants to take you out of that dark world of the dying, the sinful. He wants this because if you die in your sins, Jesus said, where he is, you cannot go. And sin separates you from God. Don't die separated from God. Jesus is calling. Don't die in man-made religion. Don't die in anti-Christ religion. Don't die in, in stubbornness. Don't do that. Huh? Jesus is calling and he wants you to obey the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. So come forth hearing the word, believing what he says. That word believe also means trust, trusting everything Jesus said. You trust him so much that you'll turn from your former way. That's called repent. And Jesus said, unless you repent, you're all likewise perish. There was a time when he went to man's ignorance, but now he commandeth men everywhere to repent. Turn away from your wicked ways. Turn away from your ungodly ways. Come to Jesus. Now when you come after repenting, leave the old Lord, put on the new Lord. That's Jesus Christ. Let him be the Lord of your life. That means I'm submitting myself to your reign, Father. Jesus, show me the way. Show me the way. Why? Because I'm down here and I'm lost. I need you to guide me. So why don't you show me, Lord? 
He says, if you want me to show them, become one with me. And the only way you do that is by being baptized for the remission of your sins, forgiveness of your sins, added to his body, which is the church. Church is the body. The body is the church. There's just one Jesus, just one church, just one head, just one way to be saved. And if you want to be saved and be ready for when Jesus comes, that now, now, after you're saved, you got to live faithful. And then, then, when he, when, he, when, he, when, he, when he shows, when he comes from the clouds, then you can go back to glory with him and live eternally. There's a part of you that's going to go beyond here. But if you haven't been added to his body by his hand, you'll be lost. And home will not be heaven. Home will be a place called hell. And yes, it's real. Same thing for Christians. Christians, those of you who belong to the body, if you're still resisting God's way, and he's showing you right now some things you need to change, to get out of your way so he can come into your life and push Satan out because you're letting Satan have too much control. Then go ahead and repent. Confess your sin and he'll be faithful to wash you clean with the blood of his dear son. God is calling. Now is the time. No other time matters because the next moment is not promised. If you want to change, you change for the better. Come to Jesus. Saw 